On today's show, all the Bucks players are starting to do podcasts. This time it was Chris Middleton, and it did make me think. We haven't discussed Chris for a while. He discussed the idea of the challenge of winning a title. He went through his own health issues over the last two seasons and also the early contact and relationship with Adrian Griffin. So this is all about Chris Middleton, a guy that we love to talk about on this podcast. Can't wait to get your feedback as well. Let's get into it. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. By the way, not too far away from entering season five as host of Locked On Bucks, time has flied. And the man that's been alongside me for the entire journey from the Bucks Radio Network is Justin Garcia, who uh, has been with the Bucks for far longer than that. And uh, a man that knows exactly what is about to come his way from a work perspective over the next uh, few weeks and few months for sure. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. And uh, as always, we thank everyone for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or first listen. Things ramping up towards the regular season. Make sure you get involved in the show. The best way to do that, subscribe, turn the notifications on, rate, review, and perhaps the most important thing, drop a comment, particularly on YouTube, because that's where the discussion gets started. Uh, the listeners can debate with each other. They can tell us that they don't agree with what we're saying on the show or maybe give us some ideas for future content as well. So get involved in the show, free to do so, and it really helps us. Uh, and uh, Justin, I mentioned season five of Locked on Bucks. So we've done a lot of podcasting. Uh, Chris Middleton has not done a lot of podcasting. In fact, I think this podcast that he did with JJ Reddick, The Old Man and the Three, which is a fantastic product in its own right, I think he said this might have been his first podcast, which is following in the footsteps of Giannis last week as well. Yeah, number one uh, for Chris and, and uh, JJ, too, joked uh, quite a bit that he had been trying to get Chris for <laughs> uh, for years, which um, I guess, you know, I, I think kind of piggybacking off of that, I think when you listened to the uh, podcast, and we'll get into the into more of the details in a second here, but my biggest takeaway was you um, you hear so often, and, and we've brought it up seemingly, especially whenever it's like contract season for Chris, but you hear so often how like Chris is viewed a lot different by his peers uh-huh. than some fans and uh, certainly more casual Bucks fans that his peers hold him in a in much higher regard. And I think when you listened to this interview, that was one of the big takeaways was JJ Reddick. And, and JJ is clearly one of those guys that thinks Chris is one of the more underrated players when he specifically pointed out uh, the 2021 playoff run that eventually brought them a, a championship. And the two spoke at length about the net series in, in game seven um, of that series. And, and JJ was the first to point out like, man, they were running offense through you and you hit the go ahead basket, which again, we've pointed out several times, but that was my uh, biggest takeaway from the interview was, 
you know, we hear this so often that uh, Chris is probably better than you think, or at least that's how players view him. J.J. Reddick might be number one in the uh, Chris Middleton fan club, especially in terms of the national voices after listening to this interview. Yeah, and maybe the fact that it is the first time he's done a podcast it contributes to the idea that he doesn't get as much attention as other guys. And he's been a constant talking point on this show because I think we have branded ourselves as a Chris Middleton defensive podcast because of, I think, the lack of respect that he gets from certain aspects of the Bucks fan base as well. And when you listen to this podcast, and I highly recommend everyone does, and you walk through some of the conversations they've had and certainly the journey this Bucks team has had, uh, it, it should not be overlooked and it shouldn't be forgotten what he's brought to this franchise. But as for right now, I think the big question with Chris Middleton is the health stuff. And I would love it if we were just in a world where people that doubted this man, it's right now it's only about the health stuff, but we know that it's, it's much more than that because it's been a, a talking point for, for many years. But last year for Chris Middleton, uh, he only played 33 regular season games. Uh, and I think perhaps most importantly, he only played, well, the trio of Drew Holiday, Chris Milton, and Giannis only played 23 games together during a regular season and 236 minutes. Now, they were highly, highly effective in those minutes. We know the Bucs had a, a rampaging run towards the postseason last year. And then you miss Giannis for basically two and a half of the five games you play in the postseason. He was severely hampered. Uh, hampered. So you didn't have those three guys together that, again, when they're on the floor, even if they weren't at 100% health, they proved that they were highly effective. That's why the Bucs are still one of the absolute favorite teams to get out of the Eastern Conference. Chris Milton mentioned some of those injuries and he went into detail with the wrist uh, injury that he carried for much of the back end of the season, the yeah. season uh, 2022 season. And then uh, obviously he slipped on a wet spot there. The knee had been bothering throughout. He's now had knee surgery, but he described the injuries as random injuries. I know we've discussed the Chris Middleton health stuff before, do you agree with that assessment in terms of from the outside, how you view Chris Milton, or are you one of those people that enters this season thinking, geez, there has to be serious question marks about him uh, with his age as well. So uh, taking the external view, uh, I would classify it as more random when, when uh-huh. you look at the two injuries and especially um, slipping on a wet spot against the bulls in the playoffs two years ago, I know there were some lingering knee issues, but I would chalk that up to more random. I think the one area where um, you may push back and say, I don't know, it's it's more of he's had a history of this, is that we know full well he's talked at length and, and gave that lengthy interview with Eric last year where he talked about you know, the knee thing. This is kind of a thing that I battle through every year, and it, it always right. takes the offseason and a little bit into the season um, before I feel like I'm 100%. So I, I would – I'm, I'm not in the middle. I would still lean more towards random, but I don't think for that reason you can say totally ra- totally random that there is that little piece attached to it. So I'd say 75% random. Well, and we do know, and if you go through his games played throughout his career, for the most part, he's been a pretty durable player. Oh, he was yeah. down, down in the 60s through the, the pandemic period, but obviously those seasons were reduced as well. So uh, for the most part, this has been a guy that's played uh, high 70s 
games or no, I would say put in a, this is a random number just looking at it, but around 85 to 90% of regular season games consistently, except for when he slipped, slipped on a wet spot at the practice facility and, and ruptured his hamstring tendon, or he slipped on a wet spot and hurt his knee. So yes, the long-term knee stuff, I agree with you. It's worth mentioning and it's certainly worth monitoring because typically those are the types of injuries that once you get to 32 as he is now, they're not getting any better. And that might be something that is going to continue to bother him. But in terms of the two major injuries he's had throughout his career, that is pure bad luck. A lot of bad luck. And I think the other thing that was really cemented, which again, uh, not to, to pat ourselves on the back, but we've talked about this quite a bit too, is when you listened to the portion of the interview where he was talking about that two-year stretch and um, specifically the summer of 2021 all the way into basically present day. And, you know, we had kind of talked about, man, there's a lot going on and in the, the schedule, how it all kind of bled together where we had what three seasons touching two calendar years because of the pandemic and, and everything else. But when he kind of illustrated it even more of, yeah, uh, we, we won the championship and talked about all the things that he went through. Uh, Then what a day, two days later, my, my first child was born Then, what, a day after that, Drew and I are on a plane with Devin Booker to go to the Olympics, and it sounded like he even thought, I don't know if I should do this, and his wife was the one telling him, no, this is a -a once-in-a-lifetime deal. You you have to go do it. Um, Talking about that schedule, to go from that long, grueling season with a a strange start time again, and to, to go directly from that to a major life event into the Olympics, get about a month after the Olympics, then you're into a new season. And it's, he kind of touched on again, that's where that wrist issue um, popped up. And then it bled into the knee issue pops up and, and that drags into this season. Then he, he talked about again, more off the court stuff with losing his father about midway through the season and, and all going through the rehab and everything else. And I thought it was interesting too, how, you know, you heard so many fans talk about, when he had that wrist surgery and how could his rehab schedule look like, or what would it look like? And when could he do it? And talking about that too, of, you know, I knew I was going to go through this with the knee. It was going to take a little bit of time and and working with my, my doctors and surgeon and physical therapist. And then the wrist happened. And I figured I can get back to whatever within a couple of weeks. And they were the ones that had to kind of slow me down. Like now this is going to take some more time. So I think that portion of the interview was, was interesting to me because you know, I had always kind of felt like it's not an excuse, but I think a lot of what we have seen is, man, for teams like the Bucks, for teams like the Suns, even you can throw in there, the Celtics and, and the Heat and all these teams that have been on these long playoff runs, you look at number one, the calendar, and just how strange it's been for these last three seasons. And any guys that have participated in uh, FIBA now in this offseason, the Olympics, as we touched on, it was just a lot. And, you know, hearing Chris talk about that at length and, and what the timeline really was, I think helped illustrate that even more than, you know, you, me, Frank, Camille, whoever it is saying like, hey, this has been a lot for these guys that they've gone through two seasons and the Olympics. Hearing the guy that actually went through it talk about, well, it was one thing after another, I think really illustrated how much of a, a toll those those two seasons basically took on the team. It was interesting that he did mention the fact that Uh, It was the doctor or surgeon originally that were like, hey, let's not get the surgery. 
let's wait a few weeks or, or a month or two and see where you're at. And then that wrist just was not healing because I know that that's been an aspect of, of criticism of the knee from too, some yeah. fans. Why did you not get the wrist surgery straight away? So Chris actually confirmed that. Hey, we thought that it was going to get better. And we assumed from the outside that was going to be the case. Obviously, if you don't have to have surgery, you will avoid it. The timing in the end probably wasn't ideal. Uh, this year, maybe that's the positive. He went in, the Bucks were eliminated early. He got the surgery done early and he's ready for the start of training camp. So uh, maybe lessons learned there, but hopefully Chris Milton in good shape entering this season. I want to talk about... Uh, his comments about Adrian Griffin on this podcast. And then he also just discussed the idea of what do the Bucks need to do to win the title this year? I think it's fascinating when you look at the wider landscape of the NBA. So plenty more to come on Chris Middleton for today's podcast. But first, FanDuel, uh, today's sponsor of the podcast. You can snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book right now. You customers get 200 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over and unders, and more as well. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. There's also NBA as well. You can already find odds for the Bucks and the Sixers, the season opener, which is just over a month away. So you can get all that on FanDuel. As I said, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on and uh, get everything you need there. That's FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. I've had a few people ask me about doing crossover podcasts. One of the teams that was mentioned was the New York Knicks. We've got that coming up this week. We're going to talk Bucks and Knicks, maybe talk a little Dante DiVincenzo. And uh, just pre-warning, the guys in Knicks land, uh, they want to talk about Giannis. So uh, I don't know whether this is a podcast that's going to fire Because of the up. Bill Simmons podcast. <laughs> I don't know, but we're going to have a crossover podcast talking Bucks and Knicks later this week. So make sure you check that out. And as we said, subscribe, turn the notifications on, and you'll know uh, when that podcast drops along with every other episode of Locked on Bucks. So Chris Middleton on the Old Man and the Three podcast with JJ Reddick. They also discussed uh, Adrian Griffin. And uh, Reddick asked simply, what's the plan this year? What's the contact been like? And it was at least interesting that Chris said, oh, we haven't really spoke that much. Now, he very quickly, I think he realized that it didn't sound perhaps the way he wanted it to. And he said, no, 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 like we have been talking, but it hasn't been overbearing at this point in time. I think that that is part of being a veteran team. Uh, I'm sure that the contact probably has been different with Amajon Bochamp than it has been with the Chris Milton. And I think that that makes sense. You've still got training camp. The guys are healthy. They're going to roll in. Um, but it does continue to make me a little bit intrigued about the start of this season and whether there are many changes. We know the coaching staff has spoken about tinkering around the edges rather than wholesale changes, which I think makes sense for the most part. It did anything about the Adrian Griffin conversation uh, prick your ears up a little bit? Not really. Um, I suppose that was what stood out was, was Chris kind of realizing, oh, this probably sounds... <laughs> work that I intended it to be. And then JJ yeah. too pointed out, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's probably good that you haven't had that because yeah. as, as he quickly pointed out, you know, I've had coaches in the past too, that are um, in communication daily. And even as far as we need you to fly in and, and be at the team facility and we're going to meet, I don't know if it's once a month or whatever it is that there's, there's more of that overbearing nature that you can come across with some coaches. Um, so I, I think, it's no surprise that that Adrian Griffin is has recognized it's a veteran team and it's a team that is two years, three seasons, two seasons, three years removed um, 
from a championship and that, you know, we know we've got this group locked up that has been through quite a bit of playoff battles that let's, let's not rock the boat too much. And I think, you know, to that point, it kind of all dovetails together, but those were the more interesting takeaways that I had of the the conversation as it kind of relates to Adrian Griffin was when uh, Chris and JJ kind of talked about what the team needed and specifically what happened in that series against Miami. Again, nothing earth shattering that we learned here from Chris, who's, who's very uh, diplomatic that I think the way that he worded a lot of this stuff kind of told you a lot of, you know, I don't, I don't, my takeaway from, from how he explained the the series against the Miami Heat and what went wrong is he said it was more of we just didn't play well and a lot of things went right for Miami. And, and as he pointed out, as we all said, this was not the team that we saw in the regular season, that they were hitting shots much more uh, frequently than they did in the regular season. They looked a little different. And, you know, credit to Miami, but we didn't play well. And in talking about, you know, where you go from here, you already mentioned the line about, you know, you need a lot of things to fall into place and, and luck is one of those. Um, but the way he kind of handled all that told me it was just, it wasn't, and I don't think any of us had put this out there and, and felt it was this way, but my takeaway was to, to move from the last couple of years to where we are now in the Adrian Griffin era of the uh, Bucks. It wasn't like, oh, well, Bud lost the locker room or any of that, that I think if you listen to everything Chris said, it was just kind of a, it was just time for, for both parties that, you know, we needed to do some things. I think the way he put it was change some stuff, but not drastically that we just needed to do some things differently, but not, you know, overhaul things and bring in new players. He pointed that out too. We got a good group and we didn't need to change this. So that's part of the reason why it was important. We brought everybody back. We just needed to kind of, I guess you would say tinker what they were doing. So I'm not surprised that's the approach that we get from Chris. He, he knows how to handle himself and himself in those situations. Uh, but it did kind of reinforce everything that, that most of us had said throughout the off season too. You can, you can be disappointed for the circumstances surrounding um, coach Budenholzer's exit and everything that he had to deal with off the floor. And I get that. Um, but I think it probably was time for, for Bud and, and for the team. And I think that's basically what you learned from Chris talking about. An experienced media campaigner, as you said, and there were certainly no excuses that were coming through. I thought one of the interesting chats, uh, you know, and Reddick, maybe could he have pushed a little harder? It's probably not the way this podcast was going to go, but the Jimmy Butler stuff was fascinating to me. And Chris kind of let it in, let us inside a little bit and said that, and, and it wasn't necessarily something that we weren't aware of, that Drew Holiday wanted the challenge. He was the guy that, he's not going to come out and say, hey, I, I need help here. Can we start double teaming? That's not the way that these guys are generally uh, generally wired. Uh, did you find any of that fascinating? Because I, I think that that will be one thing that will be interesting. And I, I don't think that we can overstate uh, the challenge that NBA head coaches have these days between uh, star players, their relationships, who has the power, what you can do inside a game. But I think that there would be some people that would say that, well, Bud should have just come in and said, I don't really care. Right now, we are getting absolutely torched. And look, if we're going to lose, we're going to lose. But we can't have Jimmy Butler dropping 95 points and just scoring one-on-one over and over and over, which I think is going to be interesting if they're in that position again. Would the players change the way that they approach that? 
uh, would Adrian Griffin come in over the top and say, this is what we're going to do? I think that that idea of in the moment, the decision-making was fascinating to me because to Chris Middleton's point, if you look at what Jimmy Butler was doing, I mean, it was ridiculous shot-making. And was Drew Holiday defending poorly? No, not in my opinion. Uh, but the offense was just too good. So would you have changed something? I think they probably would. Looking back now, you would certainly hope so. Um, but I thought it was at least interesting insight. Yeah, that part. And then um, I, I guess the most pointed question about their coverage and everything that JJ asked him was about that the play where Jimmy Butler forced uh. overtime and and you know what went wrong there. We didn't really get a clear answer. But my again, my takeaway was um, when Chris said it, it wasn't necessarily a blown assignment or, or however he phrased it, it was just a, a great play by Jimmy Butler, which it it certainly was. Hearing all of that and, and him talking about we didn't need to change the people and or make these wholesale changes to the roster, we just need to change a, a couple of things or do things differently, was um, hearing all that, hearing the way he talked about that play, it just seemed like it was a team that was, if you use a boxing analogy, it was a boxer that had been through a lot of fights, and here it is in the ninth round, and they're, they've just been getting pounded and they just don't have anything left in the tank. And that's what it felt like watching that team at the end of, of game four, certainly. And then the way that game five closed out as well, that it was a team that was just tired and they were dealing with a massive amount of blows from that Miami Heat team that maybe you didn't expect. And maybe you took that team a little too lightly. Um, but it was just, it was fatigue, I think, was, was what you saw most of in that series. And and that's I, my takeaway from the way that Chris handled some of those answers. So I I didn't expect him to to handle that question differently. I know the the uh, the answer had been out there for a couple of days leading up to the podcast, um, but I, I certainly didn't expect Chris Middleton to say, "Yeah, we all told Bud we need to double him and we need to do things differently." Um, which I don't think he or Giannis or Drew Holiday is is going to give you that answer, even if that is what happened. I think it's a, yeah, I don't think that you were going to get uh, absolute scathing criticism of anyone in those situations anyway. So I don't think from that point of view, it was a big surprise, but it did seem to me at least like Middleton and probably an extension through the whole group that this team still thinks they've been there before and they feel pretty comfortable. And what Chris Middleton said about how the Bucks can win a title this year, he said, play your best basketball at the right time of year. Pretty standard answer again, but I want to dive into the idea of whether the Bucks can compete with the top of the NBA because it feels pretty wide open to me. So we'll get to that next. All right, so if we look at the NBA champions extend back to the start of the Budenholzer run, so you've got Toronto, the Lakers, the Bucks, the Warriors, and now the Denver Nuggets. So none of those teams have won two titles in that stretch. Now, the Warriors clearly a little bit different, but go back and those teams were pretty outrageous. It doesn't feel like right now that there is a team that is anywhere near that level or even the Cavs in the Eastern Conference where you had multiple superstars and it's like, well, this team is probably going to get through the Eastern Conference. So it feels wide open. So when Chris says, shrugs his, I assume, shrugs his shoulders, I was listening and says, well, play your best basketball at the end of at the right time of the year. I think it's fascinating. I'd be curious to know from our listeners, what is your biggest concern about this team? Because I look at it and I say, well, okay, they had a lot go wrong last year. They still had the best record in the NBA. They've been around the mark. Yes, they were able to win a title. And hey, they had some luck winning that title that year. 
they're probably going to need some luck to win another title this year, but I think any team will right throughout. I even think about a team like Denver that were able to win the title last year. They made their game-changing trade. Now, it took a little bit longer to pay off, but PJ Tucker, Aaron Gordon, not a perfect comparison, but they made a trade, and then they needed to be healthy. And Jamal Murray was obviously such a big factor for that team. So if you are someone that's just down on Middleton and Holiday and Lopez as your second, third, fourth players, you're probably not going to be able to change your mind. But I do think that this regular season, as it has been for the last few, we're going to have to watch this team and look for the different tweaks, look to see whether this team is going to be prepared for different scenarios. And then you're going to do a whole lot of crossing your fingers and hoping for the best come playoff time that this team is healthy. But I think that the Bucs are in the same category as a whole bunch of teams, particularly in the Western Conference where it seems really even, that that is going to be the case. I'm not sure that I've watched the NBA in my time and it's felt this way, but I think the Bucs are right in the mix. I've got no reason to feel that they're not. Yeah, they're in the mix. And I think, you know, Chris acknowledging too, we just, we got to be playing our best basketball going into the the playoffs. And uh, I forget how we put it, but basically, you know, the last two years, I think we did towards the end of the year, but then when when the playoffs started, for whatever reason, we weren't. So just cleaning that up, um, they touched briefly on a few other teams, but again, you, you don't expect Chris to come out and say, well, yeah, Boston's worse now because of this. Um, but that is the interesting part is you, you mentioned it's not like seasons past where we have more dynasties or teams that, you know, going in, this is the clear cut. If, if they don't win the conference, something went wrong. I think Boston was the closest that we had to that. When you looked at the rest of the East and the makeup of their roster, um, you know, it, it's, it would be a, a little bit, um, what off course here to, to say, well, the Bucks or teams that we pointed to in the past, they just needed to make a change and then to criticize the Celtics for doing the same. But I think they were the closest when you look at everybody that they had and that continuity that we talked about. And now you don't know how, how that team's going to look with Chris Stapps, Porzingis, if that's something that's going to throw off a lot of the chemistry, if they're really going to miss Marcus Smart as, as much as some of us think that they will, or if this is going to be the move that, that they needed to change things. Um, Philadelphia is, you know, that's the interesting part about the the East. There's still two teams that you have to say are in wait and see mode with, with Philly and who knows what happens with James Harden there. And then of course, Miami that I, I would assume we're, we're probably moving closer and closer to Damian Lillard joining that team. And it's, it's probably no coincidence. Kyle Lowry was, was in Colorado, uh, hanging out with, uh, with Chauncey Billups watching that game over the weekend. So those are the two question marks, but otherwise, you know, the Bucks, at the very least, you would say we're, we're right back to where we were in Bud's first year, where it was, well, it, we should be one of the top four seeds and have home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. You got teams like the Knicks you referenced and the Cavs, you know, they're, I still don't think they're at that level of the Bucks or of the Celtics. And that could be famous last words, but it still feels like there's some missing pieces there and, and you just got to go through it before you get that benefit of the doubt. So yeah, you have to put them up there near the top of the conference. It's, it's just different where last year you came in and said, well, these two teams are clearly the best in the Bucks and the Celtics. And I think for the most part, you saw that. Um, but now, even if the East overall has taken a step back, the gap between the Bucs and the Celtics and those teams beneath them. And again, not to, to discredit Miami who represented the conference, but the gap between the rest of those teams 
has has certainly gotten smaller. The sun is clearly setting on this group and this core, and that's why it's going to be fascinating in 12 months' time, potentially, definitely, 24 months' time, when we see everything potentially become very interesting from, from Giannis to all these guys uh, down the roster. But, you know, for right now, yeah, uh, of course, the health stuff, if that's your concern, that's probably going to linger there all season long until they get to a conference finals and NBA finals, maybe win a title. That's not going to go away because of the age profile of this team. Uh, but you mentioned Damian Lillard. I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, if you trade one or two of your, your, your better players and you, you're going to be taken away from some of the depth of the team, does that put you in a better position in today's NBA? I'm not really sure. The one thing we do know, whether it's Miami, whether it's the Knicks, these teams, they're always going to go for those superstar players with the higher profiles. But the Bucs won a title without that. Now, we are advanced three years from that. Can they win another one? I'm not sure, but you referenced the Boston Celtics. They haven't even, even got a title in, in this run. So the Bucs are ahead of the Boston Celtics right now and the Philadelphia 76ers who I haven't got out of the second round. So it is super, super deep. Uh, but uh, as Chris Milton said, one of the things he's learned, winning is really, really hard. And uh, a lot of things have to go right. Uh, I think the Bucs are still in a in a pretty solid spot. Any final thoughts here yeah. as we wrap this up well the, the only things that you you mentioned the not necessarily well it's a, an exact match but some of the similarities between the bucks and the nuggets and i do remember talking about this um i think and they are younger. we should acknowledge so no well yes yeah. yeah but i mean if if we go back to the time the bucks won the championship i i want to say chris and Giannis were the same age as Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray when the Nuggets won the title mm-hmm. this past year. Um, so it was just, you know, and again, Jamal Murray, the injury was a part of it, but he took a major step forward during that playoff run, very similar to what Chris Middleton did for the Bucks. So there's certainly a handful of those uh, that you can make mention to out there between those two teams. Um, the only other thing is when we talk about the conference and, and where do the Bucks stand or, or rate against these other teams, one of the big things that's going to help sway this and determine where they are is the development of guys that don't wear number 22 or 21 or 34. <laughs> yes. And that was the other takeaway that, that I had to just close this was J.J. Reddick's a big fan of Marjan Bochamp and is expecting some big things from Marjan. So if if the Bucks want to continue this push, Marjan Bochamp and the young guys that we have talked about at length this summer from this past uh, draft class and, and the Ty Ty Washington even, but specifically Marjan, those are the guys that you're going to be pinning a lot of hopes on because if they can show some steady signs of progress, you all of a sudden go from a team that is still old but has some nice pieces to work in opposed to what we have saw the last two years where it was – I trust this team. It's a team that's been through it, but that's an old team that doesn't have a whole lot of athleticism on the perimeter. Yeah, you think that you know what you can get or you will get uh, from the top four players on this roster and some of those role players, of course, Pat Connaughton, uh, Bobby Portis, namely guys that were there for the title, but the wild cards is a Marjan Bochamp and perhaps some of those other younger guys. And hey, uh, it wasn't every single night, but again, last year during the postseason, Christian Brown had moments and if you have a guy that becomes a guy that you can play in the postseason this year, which some will argue could have been last year, I'm not sure about that. If you have one of those young guys that's playable this year and has moments or has a game, 
Uh, that can change a series as well, particularly if you are extending to game six, game seven. So those are the wild cards, no question. Uh, let us know all your Chris Middleton thoughts, though. There's always Chris Middleton takes out there. Uh, of course, uh, keep them paused. No, I don't think I can say that. Let us know what you think about this podcast that Chris Middleton did and the one that we did today. Uh, the countdown to the regular season continues not too far away. Locked on Bucks is going to have you covered. As I said, a Knicks crossover later this week, but plenty other discussions as well. I already mentioned we want to do a live podcast at some point this week so you can get involved in the show. Subscribe, turn the notifications on, particularly on YouTube, and we'll keep you everyone up to date of when we are going to go live because it will be on the YouTube platform. All right, Gain and Justin, that'll do us today. Speak to you all tomorrow.